0: Welcome to Bipolar Bloodlines. I'm Anthony, a former Air Force air traffic controller. I work in IT. I'm 25 and I live with bipolar type
1: 1. And I'm Anthony's mom, Cherie. I'm 44, a nurse, and I live with rapid cycling bipolar type 2. We came to this space to share our journey both as individuals and as a family.
0: Whether you came here to feel less alone, to learn something new, or just because you're curious, stick around. We might just have something for you. Hey,
1: Mom. Hey, Anthony. So I was thinking we could talk about medication. Last episode, I asked you what questions you get asked the most about your bipolar, and you said that people almost always ask you whether or not you're medicated. So I thought we could talk about what our experience with medications has been.
0: Yeah, I think one thing off the bat that's really important to understand is there's no cure for bipolar. And even with medication, it's not necessarily going to negate all your bipolar symptoms. It's not going to make you not bipolar. Um, I think a really big part about what medication does for me and what I hope it can do for other people is it kind of rounds your peaks and valleys so that they're not so drastic each time. It's a more manageable swing.
1: I agree. For me personally... Um, medication has not brought an end to my bipolar episodes, but they are much fewer and farther between. And when I do have them, they're not as intense as they would be if I weren't taking any medication.
0: Right. I think that's the advantage of medication is it makes it more manageable.
1: I think that there's a lot of misconception around what medications actually do for bipolar and people who live with a mental health diagnosis in general. And one of the criticisms that I've gotten quite a bit over time is that medication is cheating, that if I changed the way I eat or the way I exercise or the way I pray, that my mental illness wouldn't be as severe as it actually is. Have you ever gotten that kind of criticism?
0: I have. And I think that there definitely is some truth into that. Um, Having a healthier lifestyle and routine and those types of things that go hand in hand with the things that you listed definitely help maintain a more stable mood.
1: I agree. I think also there are some people with other types of mental health issues um, and maybe milder mental health issues who can control their symptoms just doing those things without medication. But for a lot of people, medication is something that they actually need. And it's a journey to get to the right med and the right dosage. It took me a couple of years, and over the many years that I've known that I had bipolar, there have been multiple medication changes, and each one of those is excruciating. What's your experience in finding the right medication been like?
0: Um, I've been on a few different medications. Uh, My first medication, I was on for only a few months. During the first few weeks, it did help me feel a little bit better. In hindsight, I think it actually just made me manic. Uh, (laughs) Large life changes like that, like getting diagnosed and starting to take medication for the first time. Those are events that can trigger a manic episode. So in hindsight, I think that's what happened there. And after about two or three weeks, um, I crashed. I was feeling worse than ever before. So we got off that and I got on a different medication. From there, you start off on a low dose, you go up. That takes time. So I was on this second medication and I wasn't really feeling anything. So we kept going up and Mm -hmm. up. And then I started to feel a little something and it got a little bit better. So we ended up stopping. And then over time, just the effects that the medication had definitely diminished.
1: Hmm. The positive effects?
0: Yes, the positive effects of the medication started to diminish. So we ended up getting on another medication and that medication, it didn't take very long. I think after about two increases, I ended up just sticking with that dose and the previous medication and that's what I'm on now. And it's definitely helped me with my stability, with my sleep, with my energy throughout the day.
1: Yeah, I hear you. For me, the multiple med changes over a couple of decades has sometimes just been completely exhausting because when you start a new medication, chances are you've already been on something. So you have to titrate down the old dose because you can't quit cold turkey. And then you have to start taking the new dose, but a little bit at a time so that you can find what's the right dosage. So for... A period of weeks to months you're going with a subtherapeutic dosage of something that may or may not help you when you get to the right dose um, and just knowing for me when I'm taking that subtherapeutic dose I'm more likely to have an episode or Or a rage outburst. And I know that it's going to be some time before I feel like myself again because I'm taking subtherapeutic doses of medication. That was just that's a really difficult adjustment, but something that, you know, I have to go through periodically. Like right now, I'm I'm having the conversation with my psychiatrist about increasing the dosage of the medication that I've been taking for almost two years because um, through journaling and making notes and stuff like that, I'm noticing that my manic episodes and the rage that sometimes comes with them, um, I've noticed that time between those types of episodes has been less than usual. And I'm not sure if it's been, you know, stress or life changes or just the fact that I'm at an age where my hormones mess with a lot of things. But um, I'm finding that it's harder and harder to avoid those episodes. So I'm talking to my doctors about possibly increasing the dose of my medication or trying something else. But that's part of the journey, though, don't you think? being willing to try something new.
0: Yeah, I think the the whole subtherapeutic dose thing is very difficult because when you're taking a medication and you know it's supposed to be making you feel better and it's not and you just have to keep taking it and you wait for, you know, weeks until your doctor says, "Okay, we're going to double the dose or what whatever they decide to up it by." And it's it's really difficult. It's it's a lot like going on a diet and not seeing results Mm -hmm. for weeks and weeks.
1: Mm -hmm. And just knowing that you have to wait the weeks and weeks. That's really hard.
0: I think also this is something that kind of goes through my mind pretty frequently when you're on medication. And this is something that people have asked me before or told me, um, How do you feel about... Medication is obviously messing with the chemicals in our brain, right? Mm -hmm. So are you really your true self if you're taking medication?
1: That's an interesting question. And when I get that question, I usually offer this analogy. Most people understand that diabetics have a disease where... Their body doesn't make enough of what they need to live. Their body isn't making enough insulin to manage what they eat and drink and do in a day. And diabetics supplement insulin to solve that problem. And I take medication to supplement the, the stuff that my brain doesn't make very well. Like my, I sometimes tell people, my brain has a wonky recipe for keeping me even keeled. And I have to supplement to make sure that my brain can do what it's supposed to do. But I have encountered people who have very strong opinions about medication for mental illness specifically. And what I find is people who feel that way, in my experience, generally don't argue with the analogy of, diabetics taking insulin because that's something that they need to live and that's what they've told me well diabetics they need the insulin to live but here's the thing my brain needs that stuff to live your brain needs that stuff to live too your brain makes it right and mine doesn't so store-bought is what works for me have you ever encountered that kind of criticism
0: here and there but i think most of the time i'm pretty calm and kind enough that people aren't in my face about it like that (laughs)
1: I I mean, do you find that the more open you are about sharing your bipolar diagnosis, the more people... Are, feel free to share with you their opinion on things like medication and how you should treat yourself.
0: I think a big part about sharing stories like that is people tend to try to relate or say they, say they understand. I think that's pretty frequent or they'll be like, oh, like my brother is bipolar mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think either way, it's, it's good to just open that conversation up and whatever gets everyone talking about it is just going to make it more understood. And you got to do it just one person at a time.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's worth having that conversation because those conversations matter. And I feel like most people, their questioning and even criticism comes from a misunderstanding or a lack of understanding altogether about what what that's like and I think the differences between the responses that you and I get might have something to do with the fact that we're probably talking to different generations of people but for the most part when I share my bipolar diagnosis with someone new they're they're pretty open to having the conversation to talking with me about it
0: in my experience people want to talk about it Uh, people just have weird questions you know like oh like are you depressed all the time what's mania like? Um, One thing that I did want to talk about that I don't normally really get asked about are side effects of medication. So I I do get asked about what my symptoms about bipolar are like, but not many people ever bring up what side effects we get from our medication. Mm -hmm. What side effects do you get from your medication?
1: The medication that I take, about an hour after I take it, I get this really intense uh, anxiety and restlessness. It's, it's so difficult to describe. It's almost like restless leg syndrome, but all over my body. And I have the need to move or pace or clap or move my knees or my feet or something. Like there's this nervous, anxious energy that is so uncomfortable. And it happens about an hour after I take my medication and it lasts for about an hour, hour and a half. And, you know, I've over time tried different things to make that less uncomfortable for me. And I have found that crocheting through that period of time, the repetitive motion of crocheting eases the discomfort of that particular side effect to the point that it's bearable. Um, And I mean, that's one side effect. There are other side effects, but that is the one that affects me the most. But even though it's intense, this medication is still worth it for me to take because of the difference that it makes in my ability to function every day. What about you?
0: Well, that's a medication that we both take, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. And for me, that medication, the restlessness I'm so sensitive to and it is very, very intense to the point where I can't sit still. I can't go to sleep. It, um, so what, what I have to do, we have to eat with that medication, like 400 calories.
1: Yeah, you have to have a meal.
0: So I, I have a dessert and then I go right to bed and take my meds and I have to get to sleep before that hour is up or I'm basically not sleeping that night. But like you said, it is very worth it just because of how much better our mood is from the medication during our waking hours.
1: So the medication that we both take for our bipolar is in a class of medications called antipsychotics. And they can come with some pretty severe side effects, some of them worse than the symptoms they're meant to prevent. One of them is loss of libido. Um, Another one is that restlessness that we both experience. Uh, Another one is something called tardive dyskinesia. Have you ever heard of that?
0: I think I have, but go ahead and explain it.
1: Yeah, you call it TD for short. Um, I haven't experienced any, and as far as I know, you haven't either. But it's involuntary movements. Oh, yeah, yeah. And antipsychotics can cause involuntary movements like ticking, particularly facial ticking, involuntary tongue rolling, things like that.
0: That's something my doctor... My doctor was very intent on making sure that didn't develop in me. Every time I went, he was asking me. He even called me sometimes in between sessions and he would say, hey, like, are you experiencing these things on that medication?
1: Yeah, because they can be permanent. So it's typically something that they assess pretty early and often. And if you do start showing signs of tardive dyskinesia, they generally like to reassess whether the benefit to taking an antipsychotic still outweighs the risk of taking one. I've been lucky and you've been lucky that that hasn't happened, but it is something I'm always on guard for to to the point that I'll even say to the people that I spend the most time with, hey, if you notice that I'm like making weird faces or that I'm taking in a way that I don't usually do, I might just be used to it. Like I need you to say something because that could be a really serious and potentially permanent side effect of a medication that I'm taking. So other than that restlessness that we've both encountered, have you experienced any other side effects?
0: One thing that I did want to bring back up is our symptoms from our medication, right? So we've talked about a lot of kind of negative effects from the medication that we take, but is it really worth it, right? What are the positive effects? Well, for me, I'm clearer minded. I have better energy throughout the day. It's more consistent. I'd have less brain fog. Uh, additionally, I will not be as volatile with my moon so it's just a lot easier to regulate things and see things as they really are if you're on a medication that works for you some negative effects that i have from my medication besides the restlessness which is a very big side effect for me i really don't like it however like i said I most of the time i can avoid it but it's really really uncomfortable besides that um A really common side effect from antidepressants and one that I definitely deal with is a loss in libido. And I started medication when I was 21 years old. I'm now 25. And throughout that time frame, my libido definitely changed and there were definitely significant changes coinciding with med changes. I think for a 25 year old, my libido is probably a little lower than it should be. And I do think that that's partially because of my medication, but it's worth it. Um, It's definitely worth it. Just being able to live my life on a daily basis like a normal person and knowing that I'm just going to be able to progress steadily because my meds even me out.
1: It's a good trade-off.
0: Yeah, it's a good trade-off.
1: For me, the positive effects of my medication are really similar to yours. I'm far less volatile, much more even-keeled. My episodes are fewer and farther between. Um, with being a rapid cycler, my mood and affect can be really unpredictable. But medication that works really helps with that. But I do also suffer from a loss of libido. And it's been a really heartbreaking experience. Um, if intimacy is an experience that I want to have, it's a very conscious decision and each step requires thought and effort that would otherwise, were it not for my medications, come to me, much more naturally. And because of that, it can be really difficult to enjoy the experience for what it is because it has to be so intentional. So we, as a couple, have had to put a lot of thought and effort and love into finding ways of being intimate that work for us. But again, despite this trade-off that I have to make, it is still very worth taking the medication because of the difference that it makes in my ability to function and my ability to maintain functional relationships like the one that I have with my husband.
0: So those are the side effects of our actual medication. What side effects do you have, if you have any, of when you miss your routine time for taking
1: medication? So I, t- like you said, we you have to take it with a meal. So And the meal has to be a certain percentage of fat, which I didn't know at first, you know? And I tried to be really conscious about what I'm eating. And I try to eat well and try to eat clean. But um, I started noticing and I said to my psychiatrist that I feel like my medication works better when I eat dirty. Like if I eat a, a big burger or something like that, I feel like the next day my medication works better. But I generally take it right. with dinner. And if I don't feel like I got enough fat with dinner, I'll have a dessert or a piece of candy or something like that just to make sure that there's you know enough of what that medication needs because it is a fat-soluble chemical. Um, so I have to eat enough fat to do that. But if I don't eat enough fat or if I miss taking my medication, the next day it feels like I haven't taken it at all. And it's, it's really hard to get through the day. What about you?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel the same thing. I had a schedule that was rotating on and off and it was really, really difficult because it would, my my med times would completely flip-flop during the week. So either-
1: Oh, you mean your work schedule was inconsistent? Yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: So either I'd be getting up at 8 a.m. and taking my morning meds or like three days later, I'd be going to bed at 8am taking my night meds. And it just threw me off so badly to the point where I was getting that restlessness long after I'd taken it. Mm -hmm. And my medication that's supposed to help with my energy was not helping with my energy. It was very, very difficult. Along with the irritability and the mood swings during that time period were out of control.
1: When you're going through that kind of Change with your medications and stuff like that. What do you tell the people around you, your roommates, and the people you work with?
0: I've just let them know hey, I think pretty much word for word, I'll just pull someone aside. Or if I'm talking to multiple people, I'll just speak to them and say, I'm going through some med changes. You know who I am. If I'm starting to act out of character or I say something that you don't think I would normally say a certain way, please call me out on it. I would love to know. Obviously, I wouldn't be acting that way normally. And I'm very open to Mm -hmm. feedback.
1: So you bring up something that I talk to people about a lot, which is feedback. It's such an important part of being able to function at work, in relationships, at any number of things. And that goes for everyone, even neurotypical people. But it can be especially difficult for neurodivergent people and people living with a mental health diagnosis. I think there's a lot we could say and things that I'd love to get into around feedback and how to accept constructive criticism, especially when you don't agree with it.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a great idea for our next episode. All right. I think that's going to be it for today.
1: Yeah. Good talk.
0: All right. Love you, Mom.
1: Make good choices.
0: Thank you for listening to Bipolar Bloodlines.
1: You can ask questions or suggest topics for discussion by reaching out to us at BipolarBloodlines at gmail.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode.
0: And follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BipolarBloodlines.
1: Thanks again for being here, friends.
0: Stay tuned, stay mindful, and remember, mental health matters and conversations make a difference.